0: All right, 6 2
1: and it's that day of the year where people, not me, are, in the spring, excited, optimistic. The first of 162 chances to prove that you are the best in your sport. But there'll be a different feel this year. All these new rules. Still, what is it about this day that has so many people across this country so excited? It's like no other sport that I can think of. I don't have the answer, but I'm leaning on people like Lee Shervanian today to explain to me why Major League Baseball's opening day just is one of those days where people wake up with a renewed enthusiasm
2: it is one of my favorite days i know of the year. it is I've i said that yesterday i talked to people about it there's just something about opening day now you're right that's only one out of 162 games what about day two day three why are attendance figures so huge on opening day and then they drop off considerably everybody All baseball fans and everybody want to be part of opening day. Hope reigns eternal. You always go into the season thinking, wow, we have a chance. And of course, come May, some teams are out of it anyway. But uh, it's always been one of my favorite sports days to go with the opening of the college football season. Uh, NFL, uh, there's certain days that I really look forward to. And in this time of the year, too. With Major League Baseball starting up, the Masters down the road, uh, NBA playoffs about to begin in about a week or two, same with the National Hockey League. So for me, uh, having followed all these sports when I was living up in the Northeast, you know, I do get excited about it. But yes, I am. I was supposed to have a luncheon today. It got canceled And so I said, well, that gives me more time to watch the Braves-Washington opening game today at noon. And, of course, this is the first time in years, and I I didn't know this, but somebody told me that it went back into the 60s, I think, the last time that Major League Baseball opened up with all 30 teams. Normally, you know, when I was— just starting out following baseball the reds would open up there might be a couple of games but uh, the way it's been uh, changed around as baseball has with the pitch clock coming in and by the way on the pitch clock according to uh, statistics uh, spring training games were 26 minutes quicker than they were last year during spring training games and i wonder if the bat girl and the bat boys are doing their job because they're being evaluated i know
1: they're staying after getting that conditioning in i'm sure uh, make sure they're hydrated. I mean, does the Bat Boy and Bat Girl now need their own hydration station? I mean, these are things. Do they have their own medical trainers on staff in case they tweak? They need to make sure they're loose. I mean, these are things you need to have a tight ship and run a tight organization, and that includes making sure that every aspect of your franchise, in this case team and Bat Boy and Bat Girls, are ready For everyday play. These aren't like starting pitchers, man. They go every day, Lee. You can't just pull one after a couple, three innings. You can't bring a closer in. Oh, no. Oh, no. These are the iron men and women, if you will, of the
2: game. Well, I'll be watching closely when those foul balls go down the left field and the right field line to see if either the bat boys or bat girls or ball boys, ball girls are running are lollygagging. That's right. And if they're lollygagging, yep. get rid of them. Yep. I mean, because they're, let's see, they're, they're volunteers, and if they can't keep pace and help the game get done quicker, it's get like, rid of them. It's like in Bull Durham, remember in Bull Durham? you
1: lollygagging in the infield. you lollygagging in the outfield.
2: All right. We're going to switch to the NBA. <laughs> Where were you? Where were you? Uh-huh. Think about this. In 2006, the last time, no, I don't think so. The last time the Kings made it to the postseason. Yeah. Do you remember? 2006. Where were you the last time the Kings made it to the postseason? Mark, the longest drought in NBA history is over, and the longest drought in North American professional sports, meaning, of course, baseball, football, hockey, basketball, has come to an end. The Sacramento Kings are going to the postseason Hmm. hip hip hooray yeah so uh congrats to them it's been a sorry (laughs) it's been a sorry existence for them
1: how come is it that we often uh point out it's a good point because a lot of times we point out the teams that have never won the championship whatever sport hadn't won you know with the it was the cubs and the red sox for years right Uh, in in the NFL for a long time it it was the Saints and it's still the Falcons Uh, but we point out those that don't win the championship we never point out the ones that don't even make the playoffs it's like they're so bad it's not even worth mentioning but we mention the ones and so yeah I mean I guess Kings fans have just come to realize that you
2: know. Well, it's you better been catch series. them in the regular right you season. They, they were pretty good back then. And unfortunately, they'd always run into the Lakers. They had some really good players. Then they made some bad trades. Uh, they got rid of their coach, Rick Edelman. Uh, Lottie Divac was a, a key member Lottie. of the team. Then he, then he became like their a general manager or whatever, and things didn't work out. But ever since they drafted Aaron Fox, they made a trade that many people did not think would go well. But it has Sabonis. They got Monk on the team. No, not the guy on TV, one of my favorite shows, by the way, but this is the basketball player Monk. So they're going to the postseason. And it's not that they're going in as a playing game. They're, I think, either third or fourth place. So they're entrenched in there. Okay. Speaking of the NBA, Durant's back. Pretty rusty yesterday. He was only five out of eighteen and didn't score a field goal to midway through the second quarter, but he got his 19 points, and Phoenix won, so hopefully he can stay healthy and uh, get them through the postseason. Hey,
1: Nick, is that a problem with the NBA, that you can shoot as miserably as Kevin Durant did and still have 19 points? <laughs> um, well, you
3: know, if let's say he two of those five shots are threes, right? That's six, then the other three, that's 12 right there, seven free throws not too crazy, right?
1: It's just it seems like, you know, they way back in the day, 20 was almost like like good.
2: Now oh, that's nothing. Now
1: you hit 20 and it's like, dude, got to get 30. Why are you so why are you so bad at this to
3: game? To
2: show you how things have changed. Drew Holiday, one of my favorite players. 51 points. Come on. He's good, but not that good.
1: So how good is he? Is he more like twenty or 30 he's always oh, been? He he's now? been
2: he's been a twenty point, twenty five point player, but fifty one points? Come on, that's that's way way above. But the Bucks won, and he had he had fifty one and more power to him because I I still hurt the day that the uh, Pelicans traded him. Speaking of great players, my favorite player in the NCAA was. Of in the NBA, and I'm sorry, what did I say? I mean the NCAA tournament. Oh, the NCAA, I'm sorry, I apologize. Your favorite player? Uh, I've talked about him for weeks. The little guy, Noel.
1: Oh, oh, I thought you meant all time. Oh okay, no, no, I'm no. Sorry. I'm
2: sorry. Just this, just the last couple of weeks. That guy for Kansas State. He's declared for the NBA draft. What is he? Five eight. Well,
1: I think he's proven that you don't have to be tall to be successful. So let's take that theory and test it against the best.
2: I am happy for him I thought he'd come back another year I just I I can't see him getting drafted in the first round
1: player you don't even know that man's name
2: Marcus Noel Marquise Noel yeah I I can't see him being drafted I can't see him getting drafted um but more power to him. By the way, he started out in the Sunbelt Conference. I did not know this until recently. He actually played at Arkansas Little Rock.
1: You love him even more now.
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: Look at that with your Sunbelt top. All
2: right, I'll give you your story. This is You always look for these odd stories. So during the Texas-Texas A&M baseball game. Okay. Yeah, I'm you, always
1: looking for baseball
2: stories. Hit I know me up. you are. You know me right. so well. A 19-year-old kid, a member of the freshman cross-country team, or a freshman at the cross-country team, came streaking on the field. I saw this. Wearing only compression shorts, gloves, and a Darth Maul mask. I don't know what—not a Darth Vader mask. <laughs> no, but a, Darth Maul. Okay. All right. So he runs into the infield. He then runs into the outfield with a sign saying, quote, I guess I could say, Longhorns suck, sign with Trump. Uh, there was a sign with Trump on it. And then— Longhorns th- what? Suck. Oh. And then he, I guess, removes some clothing— the little add-on, so he's been charged with criminal trespassing and exposure.
1: You know, I take that Long back. I, I didn't see that. I thought I saw some. Uh, uh, maybe it was in just a different, uh, different video. I don't know. I, I didn't see all of that. But okay, they caught him. Who knew Darth Ball got political? I always, I always thought he was just kind of a henchman. I always felt like, and I know we're in, a, in an area of you're not. Uh, you you're not familiar with Lee cuz it's Star Wars, but I always thought they did Darth Maul wrong. He was he was one of the if not the baddest men in the universe. They got rid of him way too soon in the in, in the franchise. Well, he didn't really die though. He did in the movie franchise. Not
3: but in the movie Solo he's still alive and he's got like a robot Lower half, yeah. He got cut in half. Remember,
1: right? But I'm just saying they did him wrong. Like he could have been you. He you could have anchored the franchise to him for. You didn't like um, Count Dooku?
2: No, <laughs> no, no. Mark, I wanted to mention
1: polo, Count Dooku. <laughs>
2: uh, this uh, I just got this note that Team Focus they have their 15th annual fundraising banquet. It's going to be May 16th at the Alabama Convention Center. As I. You know, pointed out is their big fundraiser, uh, Mike Godfrey's still going strong with this. And usually it's been uh, Nick Saban who has come down here, but uh, there's been a change. And the Ravens head coach, John Harbaugh, will be the guest speaker. Huh. And of course, he is related to uh, Mike, their cousin. So that's uh, kind of a change, because Nick's usually been the person to come down here for that.
1: Well, that's a change of pace for sure. Um, if you couldn't have Saban, though, like who's the biggest personality right now in college football? Not say not named Nick Saban. Like who would who would that be?
2: Kirby Smart?
1: I don't know if he's the personality. He might be one of the faces of college football because they've been dominant, but would he be the personality that
2: uh Are you looking for somebody to come in and tell jokes and things like that? Or yeah, I mean Nick doesn't. Couple.
1: I mean you gotta you gotta throw a couple of uh one Maybe like a player. Lane Kiffin?
2: No, he's boring. Absolutely not. I've heard him speak. Uh, he's good on his social media, but he's not. In fact, you really have to strain yourself to hear him.
3: You can bring Dion back. He'd be good. Dion would be good. He'd be See, good. There you go. I now think Dion talking.
2: would probably be right up there. Hmm. The Aflac duck.
3: I saw that uh, Dion's got this new ad deal where he's promoting these uh portable air conditioning units. It's just an ice chest with a tube <laughs> coming out of it that blows <laughs> air. <laughs> anyway, you just have to keep filling it with ice I, I guess if the ice stays cold for six hours and then it just blows the air out of there. Yeah.
1: Huh.
3: All right, good for him. What are they calling it? Primetime ac i don't know but i saw jeff Foxworthy was promoting it too
1: oh well it's got to be good then got both both of the kings wow <laughs> all right I, I can think of some we probably come up with some pretty good slogans there all right uh let's get you a scoreboard traffic and weather uh we are gonna uh, talk with steve Showenwall coming up next uh meet a champions the 30th mobile Uh, challenge of champions coming up we'll get the latest from him pat nyland will be along to talk some final four paul feinbaum in hour number two along with dan jennings hour number three is about the nfl and eric at home we'll get a little nba talk with ian thompson as well off and running here we go it's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station thanks for joining us on this thursday here we go Hi, I'm Michael Pierce,
4: NFL Defensive Tackle. When I'm in the city of Mobile, you can normally find me at
0: WNSP 105.5.
5: On
6: your screen, folks, you can never overstate just how well he did in formulating what was going to work
5: for this team. This squad has an identity. This team has a culture that's not easy to establish. Guy on your screen folks
1: all right it's 622 welcome in the opening kickoff continues here uh on this thursday edition a uh quick reminder we will be on the road tomorrow for our dr christopher mullinex championship drive we're headed where air sports one has never been lee shervanian mgm how about that really looking forward to getting out there and and uh Hang with the fine folks over there at Mary Montgomery, so really looking forward to that. Continue with your comments in the app uh, at uh, WNSP.com. We threw a lot out there in the first segment at you and we certainly want you uh, to respond to that. Um, you're going to have a little Chick-fil-A for us a little bit later this morning. You're going to you are going to hit us up early for that, I think.
2: Yeah, and then we're going to give away some baseball tickets later on in this show, too. So we have two giveaways to go. do want to mention that uh, the state has recognized two – outstanding track performers from saraland we'll be out there in about three weeks mark uh morgan davis had an unbelievable meet at the foley lions outdoor track and field invitational uh, ran like the fastest times in the outdoor and the 100 meters and the 200 meters goes on from there and of course ryan williams and as we bring in steve schoenwald to talk about the 30th mobile challenge of champs track meet good morning steve how are you today Oh,
5: I'm doing great. Hard to believe it's 30 years. This has been going on, I appreciate your support over those 30 years.
2: Just out of curiosity, the the two I named for Sarah Lan, Davis, and Williams, are they going to be competing in this?
5: Yes, Davis will be in the 100, 200, and long jump. She's the, she was the most outstanding female athlete last year. And Williams will run the 100, 200, and he'll high jump. And uh, there are they're leaders in the state as far as uh, what they've uh, done this season so far. They're leading the state with their marks, and uh, they're just tremendous athletes. And uh, Davis is going to go to Kentucky. She's taking her talent to the University of Kentucky.
2: And, of course, Williams, Mr. Football, is committed to Alabama. You know, Steve, you mentioned 30 years, and, and to keep an event going as strong as you have, do you still attract a lot of outsiders to Mobile for this? Sure, do. We
5: will have a girl here from, uh, she's all American from uh, Virginia that's flying in, and uh, she is one of the top 200-meter uh, athletes in the country as well as she's uh, the, the is not a normal event but she fa- runs one of the fastest times in the country so they're going to be coming in from uh, from uh, virginia and uh, we look forward to seeing her uh perform and uh, we've got some talent in other events uh the sprints out of New Orleans, the relay teams, and the uh, real good 100-meter uh, sprinter, and uh, so we, we're very really fortunate to still attract uh, the te- teams and athletes. We have 50, fi- excuse me, 56 schools that will be involved on Friday. And that'll be 1,100 plus athletes. Saturday is more; is a smaller meet because everything's finals and all. But we'll probably have, if you combine the two days, at least 70 schools represented over two days, and probably 1,700, 1,800 athletes. So uh, we're still getting people to come to Mobile, Alabama, and enjoy our hospitality here.
2: The events start Friday. Where? And then where do you go Saturday? Well, Friday is going to be a
5: UMS. Um, it'll start at three o'clock. The running events, three thirty. The field, and it's a long, uh, it's a long meet because of all the athletes to go through the meet. Um, uh, Saturday will start with field events at eleven o'clock. We have a one running event at twelve. And then we take a break to, field, to, excuse me, to finish all our field events, and we'll start with the 4 by 100 meter relay and uh, go through it to, uh, I don't know, 5.30ish, somewhere around there, and we'll end it with the MVP awards. So it's an exciting time for us. I don't know if you know this, but Cressel Threadgill. Superintendent of Mobile County Schools was the first MVP of the Challenger Champions, and it's hard to believe that that was 30 years ago, and he rose to be superintendent of our school system. So uh, Cresson ran before, excuse me, and uh, he won a couple of events, and he was named the most outstanding male athlete. And he went on to run in college at. Uh, when Junior College and then Troy and uh, comes back home and uh, becomes our superintendent. I think that's pretty impressive.
2: Indeed. See, Sean joining us, 30th uh, Mobile Challenge Champs. Very quickly, we got about a minute to go. So if I had time for just a one event, what event would you recommend to come out and see?
5: Uh, I would come out and see the 100. I mean, because you got Williams in the 100. you got the athlete out of uh, Edna Carr in uh, New Orleans and a couple others. And that's you know everybody likes speed, so uh, whether it's uh, auto racing or horse racing or track and field human racing, and uh, that would be a nice one. And then flip it over on the girl side too, because Davis is uh, she's burning up the track. I have uh, I have the fire department on alert to come out and put the flames out from her running. So
2: uh, it'll be uh, it'll be a great day. You haven't lost your sense of humor, have you? No. It's said jersey in me. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, Lee. (laughs) I do. Hey, Steve, congratulations. Uh, 30 years, still going strong. That's remarkable. We appreciate you coming on. Hope everybody who loves track and field, watch runners, get out there. UMS on uh, Friday, and you said on Saturday, St. Paul's?
5: St. Paul's yes, and they just resurfaced their track, their runways. uh, They did a lot of improvements that needed to be done, and uh, so the track is fast, and uh, it'll be uh, be great for the athletes.
1: We really appreciate you jumping aboard with us, Steve. Best of luck. Enjoy the weekend. We'll be in touch. Thanks. Appreciate you guys. All right. When we come back, Pat Nilon is set to join us. Talk a little NCAA tournament final four. Stay with us. We got some Chick fil A this hour as well. Paul Feinbaum will kick off hour number two. It's the opening kickoff on a Thursday edition right here on the sports station WNSP and WNSP.com. on wnsp
2: we're right here to talk some uh, final four of course uh, both games to be carried on wnsp at uh, five o'clock this coming saturday and then on monday night we carry the championship game to that we bring in our uh, basketball savant that would be pat nyland assistant basketball coach at spring hill pat welcome to the show good morning how are you today Morning, Mark. Morning, Lee. How we doing? Good. I, I did, not that same anything to do with the games on Saturday, but are you guys still practicing at 7 o'clock this morning?
7: Yes. We've got, we got the JV going in about 30 minutes, and then we'll have the, the, the varsity, the main roster, follow at 8 o'clock for an hour school workout. So, show up right and early.
2: You're going to scrimmage the JV against the varsity?
8: No, but we are going to scrimmage the
7: JV this morning. It's our, it's our last practice before we go into spring break, so figured get them up and down and moving before they go take a 10-day break and go do, do what college students do on a, on a spring break.
2: All right. If I could only watch one game on Saturday, FAU versus San Diego State or Connecticut-Miami, which one would you think would be the game to watch?
7: Ooh. I mean, the both can be so interesting. For me personally, it's, it's got to it's be FAU versus versus San Diego State. Just because, A, those are teams I've, I think I've watched more of. But I think it'll be somewhat of a clash of styles, in the sense, San Diego State wanting I mean, to slow it down big time. SAU likes to get out and run. They like to play fast. And, and I'd love to see SAU win it. I mean, you've got six teams left in college basketball right now, if you include the two finalists for the NIT. Three of those six are from Conference USA. And North Texas, SAU, and UAB. I mean, that's just stellar, in my opinion.
2: All right, so how do you match up Miami and Connecticut? Many say Miami's going to win the whole—I'm not Miami. Connecticut's going to win the whole thing because they're playing so well now. Uh, they've been crushing opponents. Uh, it's a historical run right now for the Huskies. Does that continue against Miami? I,
7: personally, I think Miami wins. I think I I mean, I think UConn wins coming out of the semifinals against Miami. Um, Miami is a really good team. They're very, very efficient offensively at 1.01 points per possession, but I think the size that UConn has down low mixed with their ability to guard. um, I think they're 0.84, 0.83 points per possession defensively, UConn is It's hard to bet against them, but, you know, who's to say? Miami may ring in this this NIL era with, you know, their, their roster's getting... Over a million dollars easily a season, quote unquote, from their whoever gives them nil money, um, and, they're, and they're really the first real team to have that boost. I think they they may bring in the new the new nil era by buying the championship,
2: You could say, I gonna say that. Okay, so you're in the coaching business, and, and I could even maybe throw this question on Mark too. So these teams, I don't well, know about Mark's the coach. He's in the business. He's in the business. <laughs> I don't get. I don't get paid the big bucks
1: like you, though, Pat. <laughs> we must have very different definitions of big bucks.
2: Yeah. So here's my question, because it was raised to me yesterday, and I don't have an answer. There's always been this talk about keeping a team together, and you you, you kind of rise through the ranks. You that you play together for two or three years, you're together. I know FAU, Kansas State and Miami are built through the transfer portal. I don't know about Connecticut's roster. It's like every other player transferred in from. So here you have at least three teams of the four that have been basically built in less than a year, and they get this far. How does that happen?
7: You know, I've always been told you want to win games, you have better players, Um, and I think... You're seeing better talent across the board on all rosters, and that's partly attributed to the transfer portal. But you could also look back, because it's really like, it's a hybrid of the one and done in the AAU era now, in a sense. You know, who are you running with this year? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with Miami this year. Uh, well, maybe next year I'm going to be with UNC, so on and so forth. The talent is always going to prevail. But... That's not always the case. When I mean, you look at the one-and-done era, you know, the Dukes, the Kentuckys, all these teams of the world that have done this the last 15 years since they changed that rule, really only two, maybe three teams I can think of that were really one-and-done heavy won a championship. I think there's something too culture-building. But as you're seeing this year, that means that will not be the case anymore. you just, you got the best talent. you got the most consistent players playing in February and March. Well, then you're giving yourself a chance. But it's really hard instill a system to get it to play the right way, to be efficient. And, and it's easier at the Division One level because you essentially get it's, it's year-round outside of the two weeks off they get in May and the two weeks off they get in August. You know, you're going year-round, so you have more time to build that chemistry and build that connection versus, say, at the D2 level where I'm at, we don't get them over the summer. We're getting them August through March. And it's harder to build that same level of chemistry and understanding of your
1: system. Okay, so a better way of asking this might be, which would you prefer? Would you rather a team full of uh, capable, athletic guys that haven't played well together, or would you rather a team that might be a notch below that talent level, but have played longer together and developed that chemistry?
7: (laughs) I'm always going to want the best talent. I I I think personally I can get there. And and get them to understand. But also at the same time, I grew up on chemistry and culture. Yeah. Guys developing freshman through senior year. Because it also instills leadership qualities into those guys. I mean, how can you come in and be a leader day one when you're there for a year? I think having that understanding of what your coach wants, how he operates, and then you helping instill that to younger players goes a long way. And some of the best teams are peer-led. They're peer peer accountable, in terms of players holding other players accountable for what the coach wants and what that team asks for, I think that's the, the best way to, 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 to have a program. And you can't you can do that in the transfer portal era, as whatever you want to call it. It's just a lot harder. Um, but I would, I'm, I'm a traditionalist in some sense. I love a freshman through senior type
2: of. Okay, look at Jim Lare- Yeah, Laranga, the uh, Larengo, the coach. Laranga. Yeah, l- sorry about that. Alright, when he got to the Final Four with George Mason, George Mason, that was a team that was built through years of player sticking. That was when the one-and-done era but, you know, those guys stayed together. Now this Miami team mm-hmm. has been built through a bunch of transfers, so he's actually done it both ways.
7: Yes, yes, and, and it's a testament to his ability to coach. I mean, he's He's an all-time coach, in my opinion, and he's he's one of those last holdouts. Now you're seeing this, that era of coaches, the, the Coach K's and who Williams, these guys. Laronega is now probably one of the oldest guys coaching, and he's, he's capable of doing it. And the same time, Miami is a, you can win at Miami. Miami is a school you can win at. It doesn't matter what sport. If they're funded properly, and now they have John Ruiz, who's a billion-dollar business owner out of Miami if he's pumping the kind of money he's pumping into the, to their sports programs, you're going to have success. Because right now, kids see this. Kids have a very different outlook on it than I think coaches do. Kids see going in the portal as an opportunity. Well, in some sense, the coaches see it as, like, damn, I you know, put two years into you. It seems like somewhat of a betrayal, and you don't want to be that way. But that's where our jobs rely on is the success of our players and not the success of our players next year in another program, but the success of our players in our own program.
1: And, and a little bit to that transfer point, right? We talk about coaches not only having to go out and find recruits for the next recruiting cycle, but you got to recruit your own players to make sure that they're happy and they're staying there. Where do you draw the line as to like coddling kids and hey, buddy, we love you, we're glad you're here to like, like, man, you got to get working. This is what we need from you. Get on it. How do you? That's got to be something new that coaches are trying to balance now, right? With kids that are on the roster. Yeah,
7: I mean, you got to adjust and adapt in, in recruiting. Always was a year-round deal, but now it is 1,000% a year-round deal, and you are. You're having to re-recruit your own players, and I don't think giving them everything is the best way to go about it. You know, these days, and I don't want to say these kids, because I'm only 26, not like I'm sitting here like I'm an old man, but you give these kids the world, and at the end of the day, they're going to turn around and say, it's not enough, I want the Galaxy. Yeah. Well, you're never going to win doing that.
1: Hey, don't worry about getting old, man. You'll get there. One day you'll be me. You'll wake up, and you'll be 40-plus, man. You'll wonder how you got here.
7: Well, I'm on the the field. You know, I turned on the NIQ semifinals the other night, and I was appalled that they weren't playing in Madison Square Garden. I mean, Lee, I'm sure you were up there (laughs) back in the day covering games at the Uh, Garden. I did. Now you're going to get him started. They're playing in a ballroom in Las
3: Vegas.
7: There's no prestige to the tournament anymore. It's really
2: sad. I, back in 73, I, I broadcast Thanks, Notre Dame and the uh, NIT <laughs> and Rutgers. By the way, I want to make a admission of guilt here. I, I I just made this overview of Miami. I was looking at their roster. They only have three transfers on their team. That's hardly anything.
7: They're getting paid a lot, and the pet kid that they brought in has made a big difference for them.
1: Alright, Pat, go get you a nap before the big scrimmage uh, We appreciate the time Getting up early with us And uh, we'll be in touch, sir Absolutely, appreciate you guys Go Badgers That's uh, Pat Nyland, ladies and gentlemen Alright, when we come back Lee's gonna reward those who get up early with us With a chance for a little Chick-fil-A Paul Fonbaum will join us as well uh, Hugh Freeze I not talked about this. Uh, so I've asked you guys, we, we talked in our first segment about this being the opening day of baseball. What is it about this day which separates it from any other opening day in any other sport? People absolutely, I would argue they love this day more than any other day of the baseball season. Why is that? Help a non-baseball guy understand. The greatness of this day. And don't give me the eternal optimism. I get it. I get that part. But there's just something about it, man. People are taking off work, heading to the ballpark. Explain it to this ignorant, ignorant fan. Or ignorant sports enthusiast who is anti-baseball. How about that, Lee?
0: Gross,
8: and you're listening to
0: I don't think you're angry. Chick fil
7: A. I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh,
1: I'm in love with Chick fil A. 648, boys and girls. We're wrapping up hour number one on this Thursday edition. And you have a
2: chance at some Chick fil A. Here's the question Who closed his NCAA tournament career with a 50 point performance? In a losing effort. All right. If you know the answer, 694-1055. We'll get you a -A. Chick-fil-A. After I butchered the Miami Hurricanes coach, uh, maybe I should go see Dr. Christopher Mullenix today and have some jaw surgery. Uh, They're available. And uh, they're located at 715 Downtowner Boulevard. As somebody who's been there, done that, I highly recommend Dr. Christopher Mullenix and Mobile Oral and facial surgery they take day of appointments at 471-3381 and in case you're just joining us for the very first time you might ask well what does he specialize in well for me dental implants for others uh, facial trauma knocked out teeth wisdom teeth jaw surgery cleft palate and much much more Dr. Mullinix, along with Dr. Aaron Wallander and Dr. Michael Babston, three outstanding oral surgeons available for you. You do not need a referral. And again, I want to thank them, Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery, for being our title sponsor for Championship Drive, which takes us where tomorrow? Mary G.
1: Montgomery, home of the one and only Nicholas Wiggins. How about that? So uh, it'll be the first time we were out at uh, at uh, at MGM in any capacity to broadcast a show. So really looking looking forward to that. You know, we talked about there was a uh there was almost a cha- it almost happened last year. Like there was a our last football season. This se- this past season just for whatever reason we had to pivot or whatever. But so really looking forward to getting out there. Uh it's always a lot of fun when we head to places we have not had a chance to get to before and we continue to expand the WNSP footprint. Uh, there are very few places we haven't been, but we're trying to get to them all. So,
2: Zach Goldston's the football coach out there. Haley Cutchin uh, is the athletic director. Thanks to each of them for putting together our show tomorrow and for the guests that are lined up. And our special alumnus uh, guest, we try every time we go out now, at least during the spring, is maybe to catch up with an alum of the school who's gone on and done something, doesn't matter what sport, Mikhail Torrance. Will join us tomorrow. He, of course, was an outstanding basketball player at MGM and went on to a very nice career at Alabama. Did we get a winner.
3: Yes, Chuck. How about
2: it, Chuck? Nice winner. work. And
3: uh, yo, shout out to Chuck. He's the guy who bought me a beer at the March Madness event because I pulled Kansas for him. Ah. Uh, I don't know how happy he's feeling about that. Is, now. It,
1: is it considered a bribe if you do it after the fact? Probably not, right? No, just a reward. A reward. I'm trying to figure out who got... By the way, what was the answer?
2: David Robinson, the former, the, Navy, the, ad, uh, the former uh, Navy center, went to a very, very nice career in the NBA with the Spurs. He had 50 points in a losing effort. They lost to Michigan when he was playing for the Naval Academy.
1: I remember specifically feeling bad for pulling San Diego State. I'm pretty sure I'm the one that pulled San Diego State but felt bad about it. I think I feel like I should be rewarded. <laughs> <laughs> How about who you picked know, FAU? It just gives me, it just, it just, I'm rewarded enough by knowing that I, I, uh, was able to provide some happiness, yeah. uh, for, for one well, of you our know, listeners.
3: You can get what, four people on this jet skis, so maybe they'll save a spot
2: for you to, yeah! come along. Who picked FAU? <laughs> uh, like which one of us picked, pulled it? Yeah, I don't, because I don't remember. that to me is the most incredible story you know uh, uh, Pat had mentioned about three conference USA teams FAU in the NCAA tournament North Texas and UAB does anybody remember that all three started in the Sun Belt UAB came out of the Sun Belt and moved on and then you also had FAU was in the Sun Belt and of course North Texas in the Sun Belt and something I did not know that Marcus uh, Noel with Kansas State he left Arkansas Little Rock and transferred to Kansas State.
1: I do have the name, so uh, Jay has Florida Atlantic out there, Jansen has San Diego State, Lee not Trevanian, has Miami, and Henry has UConn. So congratulations to you guys for making the Final Four. You guys advanced to the Final Four. Wow. How amazing is that? It's, dare I say, madness? You said it. I did. Uh, <clears throat> Hugh Freeze says he wants to beat the crap out of Nick Saban.
2: Gee, there's... In the Iron Bowl. Is there a coach who doesn't want to beat the you-know-what out of some other team? <clears throat> I guess the question, too, is more or less, you know, that supposedly they're friends. In fact, Saban supposedly tried to hire him when he was unceremoniously released from uh, Mississippi. But the, there's that old age, and I've read many books about this. A lot of coaches don't like playing against their friends. They'd rather beat somebody they don't like rather than somebody they like. But uh, Freeze is a so-called friend, if there is such a thing. I don't know how many friends Nick really has, you know, when I call a good friend, somebody you want to associate with. But uh, that's, I think, one of the reasons that Freeze was hired, because he had some success at Ole Miss against Nick Saban. Well, if I'm an Auburn
1: fan, this is what I want to hear from my coach. Because, let's face it, if you lose to Alabama, I think the generally the college football world is not going to be shocked by this, right? But... You want to see that confidence. You want to see a bit of arrogance. Like, you don't want to put that that cross-town or cross-state rival on a pedestal. You want everybody to know that you're in it to win it. I kind of like this from Hugh.
2: All first. right, so let me backtrack. Then why did they let Gus Malzahn go? How many times did he beat Saban? Was it at least two or was it three? Uh, they It was two. Two, they both beat him twice. All right, so if I remember correct, all right, so maybe some of the those on the app can explain why there was this movement to get rid of Gus Malzahn. It wasn't like he was a troublemaker. It wasn't like he was going to get the program on probation. Uh, tr- maybe they weren't, you know, winning as many games. But if that's what it takes, beating Alabama, and and you know Hugh Freeze has has had success, uh, Gus Malzahn had success. Why did they get rid of Tommy Tuberville? What, what he beat Alabama six straight times or something? Yeah. Uh, so I, I, you know, I, I, I listen to what you're saying, but then I go back in history, the coaches that had success against Alabama, they get rid of.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I, I do think there is a, while that is a huge part of being the coach at Auburn, you've also got to have to kind of break that glass ceiling a little bit. And I don't know if gus was trending in the right direction right uh, i mean i guess auburn fans would you rather be this sounds like a dumb question but this is kind of to, to lee's point would you rather win eight nine games a year and and beat alabama every you know every other year every two years every three years or would you rather get to 10 and 11 games and be playing for conference championships, and then ultimately to the college football playoff. And I think we all know the answer to that. And I think that's why Gus was kind of stuck in neutral there. We didn't see a whole lot of improvement. Um, you know, this is chess, not checkers. So he came on the scene and, you know, took the college football world by storm with his hurry up, no huddle. And then I don't feel like that ever evolved. And I think the
2: rest of college football caught up.
1: And so I just don't think the program evolved enough.
2: His his issue, he couldn't beat LSU, he couldn't beat Georgia. Had success against Alabama, but the fact is that they lost to the other two teams I mentioned. And I think you're right. The the adjustments weren't there. They and and I agree that they weren't trending in the right direction. But my point is, if if like when Hugh Freeze comes out and says I want to do this or that to Alabama, and and Malzahn backs him up, that's fine and dandy. But you got to do a lot more than just beat Alabama if you want to keep your job.
1: True, but not see this is the thing. Not beating Alabama. Will get you fired. I still believe not get not beating Alabama will get you fired quicker than not getting to the SEC. Let's say you go
2: eleven and zero and lose to Alabama. Are you in trouble? No, 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 not at all.
1: Not the first. And year.
2: now, and then, and if you get to a, like eleven wins and lose to Alabama, come not this coming year, but the year after, you're in the postseason when they expand to fourteen. But
1: but if you lose to, if if you go eleven and zero or ten and Two. One or whatever over two or three years, and lose each year to
2: Alabama. Are you in trouble? I don't think so because you'll be going to the postseason uh, after next year. So if you get to the postseason now, so I'm going to say this, and don't don't take this the wrong way, Auburn fans. But somehow, some way, you'll have people on that board that'll find a way. If you sure. know what I mean. Sure. All right. Like if Nick Saban has a so so season, I doubt you're gonna be hearing for a coaching change. But at Auburn, for whatever reasons, all these coaching changes, somebody there on the board or whatever, will find fault and then they start the movement. Right.
1: Well I, but I think that's kind of what was happening, right? You got you get to and let's let's just let's just pretend the Brian Harson for for sex right, doesn't, doesn't even happen yeah. because it, it's it's so obvious we all feel the same way about that error. But I think that's what was happening, though, was that not only were they not getting to the title game, but one of the reasons they weren't getting to the title game more times than not was because they were losing to Alabama. So, again, I like that Hugh Freeze is out there, kind of rallying the troops. I don't really think in this day and age, like, Alabama's using that as bulletin board material, so I think you're good on both fronts. But, yeah, I mean, it's 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 March, getting ready to be April. These are the these are the kind of comments we want to see from your coach at this point.
2: And Auburn's A Day game is coming up a week from this uh Saturday. They're gonna honor Frank Thomas, the big hurt. Big statue gonna be out there.
1: Uh Paul Fahnbaum is next. Dan Jennings will join us for a little uh baseball talk at seven thirty. So stay with us. Plenty left. It's the opening kickoff. Here comes hour number two. Number two here on this Thursday edition. It's the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee with you from the studios of WNSP.
2: uh, Let's Let's check in with Paul Feinbaum from ESPN and the SEC uh, Network. Paul, uh, welcome aboard. I hope things are going well with you these days. Good morning. Thank you, Lee. Good morning. Good good morning, Mark. I'm going to start out with SEC football. spring's upon us, as we know, as far as teams getting ready for uh, spring um, football games and the A-Day games and things like that. What would you consider some of the top storylines that you're following this spring? Obviously you could start with the quarterback situation at Alabama. I know people have talked about that. You can include that, but what are some of the other main ones across the uh, SEC landscape?
8: Well, I think when you when you look at it broadly, the, the question really starts with Georgia because you know, we're in really rarefied air here with the idea that Georgia also looking for a quarterback and trying to do something that really nobody has done and that's win three national championships in a row and you know, it's interesting to me that Kirby Smart uh, doesn't have to look too far back to understand how uh, how this works because he was Nick Saban's top assistant exactly 10 years ago when, when Alabama once again was the prohibitive favorite to do it and, and, and ran through the season pretty well, and got undone on the final play of, uh, of regulation against Auburn, and, and and that's what. And he knows, so he knows that. And uh, there are many other stories. Uh, you know, one in particular at Florida. What's happening there? Uh, nothing has seemingly gone right in one year for Billy Napier. You zip across the, the SEC to Baton Rouge. And, you know, many believe this is, uh, this is the moment that Brian Kelly you know, puts his flag down and, 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 and beats Nick Saban again. So those are the stories from a treetop level, Lee, that, that we're looking at.
2: We saw Arkansas uh, two years ago look like a team trending upward. Are they still in that mold, or did you see them level off? It
8: looks like they've leveled off. Uh, I mean, last year was a, was a bitter disappointment. Most people thought nine wins was on the horizon. And you know, Arkansas you know, lost a game it shouldn't have lost uh, against A&M and you know, dropped a couple of other games that it shouldn't have. And, and it really spiraled out of control. They have K.J. Jefferson back. They're looking upward. But uh, to, you know, when you're in the SEC West, it's always a slog. And one other, the one school that I think I'm most interested in is Texas A&M. Now, Everyone in the media, including us, is having a field day about Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino, and that's already gotten off to a uh, rocky start in terms of perception. But I am most intrigued by the team that a year ago was the talk of college football, best recruiting class ever, top uh, six prediction, possible national championship. How did they bounce back from seven losses?
1: You know, speaking of, uh, Paul, and I'm sure you saw this, I think it was about a week ago Jimbo had that press conference, and he was specifically asked about whether Petrino was going to call plays. And I think his first answer was, oh, we'll have to work through that. And then somebody tried to ask another question. He kind of jumped in. He's like, oh, I'm fine with him calling the plays. It was almost like he realized maybe he stepped on a landmine there and tried to cover his tracks real quick. Well,
8: Jimbo Fisher's is well aware of what he did uh, in hiring Bobby Petrino. I just think he, he's not uh, – he, he, has, he has an adjustment period. I mean, this is a guy that has always called plays. Uh, and, and I think uh, he was just kind of – even though he shouldn't have been caught off guard, it, it, it looked like he was. I, I, I don't think there's any doubt, based on people with whom we talk, uh, that Jimbo Fisher is letting Bobby Petrino run that offense. That was the deal. He knows that. But uh, that, that lapse publicly was – you know it left a lot of people uh, wondering.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of wondering, too, because you go back a few years, remember with all that controversy over Gus Malzahn, I'm going to call the plays, no I'm not, I'm bringing this guy in, I'm going to let him call the plays, and before you know it, it's back on Gus's lap, you know, when things weren't going so well, oh yeah, I'm going to call the plays now, it's all on me. Well, but
8: I think in Petrino and and Fisher's case, uh, Gus Malzahn brought in somebody who was young and and seemingly inexperienced, in, in, Jim, in, in Jimbo, he bring in someone who really in many ways isn't equal. Uh, so that, that's really where it, it's, it's complex, uh, but I, I think that was more of a public relations mis, misstep than anything else. I have no doubt, at least as we head toward game one, Jimbo Fisher will be watching Bobby Petrino uh,
2: make the call. Okay, one other team I wanted you to talk about was your own team, Alma or Tennessee, because we we know what they did and you know how their season went last year, and they were trending upward. Do you see this continuing?
8: I do. Uh, I think Tennessee is positioned to, to continue. Uh, lost two games last year. I think they're looking at something like a, another ten and two mark. They you know they they, they lost they, lost, they lost three players that could go in the first round as we as we head toward the draft. Uh, the most important is, is Hendon Hooker. And I think they've got that covered with Milton. Uh, they've got a uh, phenom freshman coming in that many people believe will make a run of the job. But, but I think Tennessee is pretty well positioned to to get back to double digits.
2: Do you remember, I guess, oh, of course you do because you're part of it. You know, last year I remember during the SEC media days and all the, not controversy so much, it was just fun evaluating the quarterback, starting with Bryce Young. And then each guy would say, well, who do I like in the top five? And in most cases, Bennett wasn't in there. But you had Levis, you had Richardson, and the list went on and on. This year, if they do that, Paul, as because I don't know what's going to happen in the transfer portal, I think you're going to be kind of hard-pressed to come up with five as you did last year, because as you said, Alabama we don't know, Auburn we don't know, Georgia we don't know, and I'm sure there's a lot of other teams out there in the SEC that are, are not hooked yet on who their starting quarterback is. Well, I think
8: you're right. Uh, I, I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was 19, and uh, I was sitting there interviewing Joe Burrow at Media Days, uh, and some, I, I said, Joe, uh, I need to ask you because I, I just got on with a couple of the guys, the quarterbacks, you know, Tebow and Jordan Rodgers, and I said, I thought you were a top three quarterback in the SEC. And, and they looked at me like I was crazy, like you really didn't deserve to be in the top four or five. And he looked at me and said, top three. He said, I'm the best quarterback in the SEC, and we all had a good laugh. Um, now, I don't know who, who could say that this year, because I'm not sure you could go three uh, deep. It's really that difficult. Uh, you have a couple of starters returning, uh, Jefferson, uh, I think Wegman at A and M is somebody to keep your eye on. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, LSU with Daniels returns a starter, but uh, you know Ole Miss has a, you know three d But but this is a this is going to be a, a very difficult year to, to get into that conversation. Uh, and, and I think uh, the most intriguing battle is in Alabama because I I, can, I mean I think I know who's going to win. Uh, but but even if Ty Simpson wins the battle, I'm not sure what that means.
1: So speaking of Paul Feinbaum, our guest, follow him on Twitter at Feinbaum. Uh, your colleague Heather Dennage got some access there, and uh, Nick Saban gave the full metal jacket kind of response, which is not the first time he's done that. But um, clearly, he's he's uh, maybe recalculating the uh, the. Uh, or recalibrating might be a better word. The the program they're kind of resetting. Yeah,
0: I
8: I, I heard that, and I, I you know he said yeah you know you know we you know we're it's kind of a rough springer here because we didn't make the uh, national championship. Uh, how, how about the SEC championship? Coach? I mean, <laughs> you didn't make that either. Um, I, I, I I was struck by that, um, Mark, and I don't know why. It just uh, you, you have to wonder, and I I, I know that fans are all wrapping their arms around we had the best recruiting class in the country this year, as if Georgia didn't have the second best class Uh, again uh, as they, as they normally do. Uh, So I, I think there's a lot of mystery. Uh, The fact that there's, I don't know if I want to call LSU a legitimate threat in the West yet, even though I know they won last year, but they seem like they're, they're trending that direction. Uh, I, I think there's, I don't think there are any guarantees. I mean, this is the first time in a while Alabama will not start at number one. Uh, They may not even be in the top three. And I know that sounds like uh, you know heresy if if you're an Alabama fan. Uh, But you know, what what is Nick Saban using for motivation? I know everybody believes that this is uh, another revenge tour. But I thought that was last year, didn't you?
2: Hey, so (laughs) yes, without without. Uh, using the term hot seat because it might be just a wee bit early but maybe not what coach has the most to prove uh, going into uh, next fall in the SEC
8: well I I think uh, Billy Napier would be probably the the coach that the most eyes are on in relation to was this a, a great hire or not and remember when Napier was hired at Florida uh, LSU didn't want him. They, they chose Brian Kelly instead, and a lot of people wondered if that was the right move. I, I would say there are a lot of eyes on, on Jimbo Fisher again, because, but that, that's baked into the cake. You know that. Um, but nothing has really changed about Jimbo Fisher uh, in relation to his status. I mean, I think he is so far—he's uh, he, so deep and deeply entrenched in A&M because of his contract— that it's unlikely that uh, good, bad, or indifferent is going to really affect his status. So I, I think it's Napier, number one. And I, I would not say he's on the hot seat, though. Uh, I, I don't think he could really be on the hot seat after one year. I will say this, though. We interviewed Spurrier the other day. and you know, With Spurrier, you have to do a lot of interpretation. Uh, but he used a couple of phrases like, that's mighty, mighty quiet around here, meaning nobody really is excited about football. I haven't heard much, meaning uh, there's really nothing good to say. Uh, He mentioned how much he respected Kirby Smart uh, and how they handled things uh, on the field and and with discipline. I'm talking about during games. They didn't hit hit late, stuff like that, penalties. And and it just felt like even even the the greatest gator of them all was beginning to wonder about what was happening in, in Gainesville.
2: I to ask you too. I saw a poll taken about the best SEC interconference games. Would you put Texas and Alabama right now at number one coming into the fall?
8: Yeah. I mean, well, there's there's a couple of games. and I'll, I'll, I'll give you the answer. I mean, I think LSU Florida State is going to be intriguing because they you know, the loser of the game really puts puts themselves in a, in a tough spot. Uh, even though LSU lost the game last year and had a, had a really good season, but I, but I think in terms of national attention, it's a it's it, it's Texas because of the quarterback situation at Texas. You have Ewers, who was the number one player a couple of years ago. Then you have Arch Manning. Uh, you know, what's he going to look like when he gets in the game? And and if he doesn't play there, what happens? And so I, I think because of, I think because of that, and, and we I, and as I look around the schedule, I don't see a lot. We don't have that. Georgia-Clemson game uh, like we did two years ago or, or the Oregon-Georgia game. I mean, I'm talking about games that it, it perceptively are going to be big games. They, are, they often aren't. Uh, so I think Alabama-Texas is probably the big game. Of, uh, and, and, I'm, I'm, and guess what? Uh, I mean, Texas is coming into the league. I mean, even where I work, Lee, I mean, there's already conversations about, okay, when we turn the page after this season, it's, it's onward to Oklahoma and Texas. So that, that drumbeat has already begun.
1: All right, before we let you go, uh, Hugh Freeze was quoted as saying he wants to beat the crap out of Nick Saban in the Iron Bowl. Two questions, can he and will he? Um,
8: I always hate to, to say Auburn can't win the Iron Bowl when it's in Auburn because we all know it's happened and it almost happened under Brian Harson, so I'll give you a namby-pamby answer on the front end and on the second end no absolutely you can capitalize it Uh, Auburn is not beating Alabama this year Uh, I I think Auburn will be better Uh, and and I think Hugh Freeze uh, has has lived up to his billing but he simply doesn't have the players
1: fair enough hey Paul as always good to catch up with you sir Uh, have a great week and uh, we'll be in touch thanks guys see you next week that's Paul Feinbaum, ladies and gentlemen. We come back with scoreboard traffic and weather. Uh, Dan Jennings at 7.30. Eric Edholm on the NFL at 8 o'clock. Uh, Ian Thompson on the NBA. We're all over the place. We're uh, going to get you a chance at some South Alabama baseball tickets as well. Uh, it's the opening kickoff here. On opening day of Major League Baseball, I want somebody to call and tell me why I should be excited. It's It's a day like none other in sports. People from all, all over the country are taking off and heading to the ballparks, right? Isn't that kind of what you do as a baseball guy on opening day? Got to be at the ballpark. Why? Why is today different than the other 161 games you play in a season? Educate this dummy. It's the opening kickoff.
8: Table, Durant gets a screen, straightaway look, on the way, down. First triple.
1: All right, welcome back in. The opening kickoff continues here on WNSP. You guys can jump in at 694-1055. You need to call Aiden Marks of Medicare Insurance Advisor. You heard me talk a lot about Aiden. I've had lunch with him a couple times. He's here to help you get all the information you need about Medicare. So if you're close to the age of 65, if you're on the company insurance and you're trying to decide between your current coverage and Medicare, or maybe you just need to change your Medicare coverage. He can answer all the questions that you might have. So he doesn't sell, sell Medicare. He's simply here to show you how to get the best coverage for your needs. And every, everybody's situation is going to be different. And that's why you need to talk to Aiden about what's best for you, Give him a call. 463-0031. That's 463-0031. There's never a fee for his, uh, for his services. So you can go see him at his office, Highway 98 across from Terry Thompson Chevrolet there in Daphne. And look, if you're within a year of retiring, you need to start those wheels now. You got to get those wheels in motion. So call Aiden Marks, Medicare Insurance Advisors. He can help you with all of those questions. <laughs>
2: There isn't really much new on Lamar Jackson, although two stories came out yesterday. The New England Patriots say they're not interested. It seems like every day a team is saying, well, we're not interested in bringing Lamar Jackson aboard. We all know that he's out there as, a, in a sense, his own agent representing himself, trying to get a better deal than with the Baltimore Ravens. But he also dispelled rumors that he missed the last five games of last season, including the first playoff game because there was this talk that he was just doing it to, well, basically coming out as a free agent, so not as to get injured again. He said that's not true. He was just trying to get healthy, and he didn't feel he was at a 100%, and that's why he didn't feel he should go out and play. And speaking about the Ravens, I mentioned this in the first hour. Their head coach, John Harbaugh, will be the guest speaker coming down here to Mobile for the Team Focus fundraising in May. Lamar, stop tweeting. Stop, get off social media.
1: Talk to teams. This is a refle- how you present how you present yourself on social media is going to impact whether or not teams want you, right? everybody everybody hates Draft Day, the movie, like people in the NFL hate that movie and talk about how it's just not accurate. I tell you the part that is accurate. When he tells him to stop tweeting, GMs hate that stuff. That is a hundred percent accurate. So
2: let me throw this out at you, Mark, or anybody else. The guy is already gonna make thirty-two million dollars. Okay? So maybe so maybe another team doesn't want but but you're look just why not just like be happy to go who out there wouldn't want to work for thirty two million dollars, seventeen games, maybe postseason. Does he feel disrespected? Because he's not making as much as maybe some other quarterbacks. Yes, that is a thing with professional does it, athletes. I know, but does it bother, does it not does it not click? Like I've only played in like ten or eleven games the last two years. Nope, nope.
1: It sh- should it? Yes. Does it? No, no. Each one, everybody wants to be paid top dollar in their field, uh, whether it's by position or whatever. That's just the way. That's the way it is these days. Uh, Dan Jennings is next. It's The opening kickoff. Baseball is here. 732 here on a Thursday. Thanks for hanging with us. The
2: opening kickoff continues right here on the Sports Station WNSP. So let's welcome in Dan Jennings, the assistant general manager of the Washington Nationals. Danny, good morning.
9: Good morning, guys. Happy opening day.
2: All right. To that, Mark raised the question. Go ahead, Mark. I'm going to let you word the question as you did to start the show.
1: Thank you. So, Dan, here's my question for you. Cause you love all sports. What is it about opening day in Major League Baseball that is just different than any other sport? And don't don't give me I know, you know, everybody's optimistic, but there's something about folks leaving work, heading to the ballpark on opening day for their team. What is it about this over the first weekend in the NFL or college football that kind of it, it just becomes its own like entity?
9: It's the tradition of all the gala, all the pageantry, and without a doubt, the feeling of a new beginning, and and honestly, it's, it's maybe the only day where you start off uh, uh, with zero defeat, because eventually they're coming, but it's just. The excitement that goes with it, and I think it's something that because of the history of the game, you look forward to it year after year, and it just becomes something that's uh, that's very special. Should it
1: be a national holiday?
9: Slam dunk without a doubt, yes.
1: You see, this is why I, I don't believe it should, because you just used... Uh, A basketball phrase to describe what you would consider one of the great sports in in the country, in the world. Well, then Grand Slam, without a doubt. Okay, there you go.
2: (laughs) Danny, before we get to your picks, and you're going to go up against Mark today.
8: Bring it, old man. I like it. I like it. He's probably going to have
9: some basketball teams in his picks. (laughs) Give me LeBron in six. (laughs)
2: There you go. (laughs) What rules or rules do you think are going to be met with a lot of controversy as this season begins?
9: Uh, I think the biggest one is going to be the disengagement rule, um, you know, where pitchers are allowed. Two disengagements from the rubber, and uh, the third time—if there is a third time—you either have to pick the, uh, you have to pick him off, or the runner advances on a ball call. Uh, it was interesting to me in spring training, the Mets, uh, Buck Showalter, he actually did it about four or five times where they tried three times and uh, ended up surrendering a base, but he did it against the teams. Uh, who had base runners, base stealers, and I think he kind of planted the seed in some of the guys' minds who can run. Of, hey, just letting you know that uh, we're showing you this in spring training, so that you know we'll come over there the third time during the season.
2: So bases are bigger. Uh, they're limiting throws to first. Do you and and they, uh, so called. They want to, let's say, increase the uh, possibility of stolen bases. Do you think this is really going to work out that way?
9: I do, yeah. I think you're going to see... Um, I think you're going to see managers put the game in motion more and, you know, each team usually has uh, has one or two guys that uh, have that ability to take that extra 90 feet. And, you know, that was part of the reason behind this was MLB wanted to see more action. They want more offense. And uh, on a poll that they did with the fans, this was one of the fans' biggest requests was they wanted to see the stolen base again. And, you know, I, I think... By back now and I look at some of the great base dealers of our time, you know, the the Ricky Henderson's and Vince Coleman's Lance Johnson, guys like this, what would they do now with these rules in effect to where, you know, that there would be some form of advantage for them? And you have to think that some of these guys, Trey Turner, Ronald Acuna, guys like that, are going to find ways to take advantage of it and uh, and help their club.
2: Much has been said about the pitch clock, uh, the fact that the, the game is speeded up in the spring, but what about outlawing infield shifts now? And explain what that means. Can can you have an infielder behind, let's say, second base, or do they have to be a little bit off to the right or the left?
0: They
9: have to be a little bit off. It's funny, uh one of the games I was at this spring, we had uh, uh, Lindor with the Mets lined up directly behind second base in the in the vision of the hitter because the Mets felt like the Braves had done that to them. So you got the cat and mouse, you know. I mean, that's what's beautiful about baseball. People are always looking for that one edge to take advantage of and give their team uh, give their team some type of an advantage, and uh, so. The left-handed hitters, I think, are going to have a definite – Advantage with this rule, having to have two infielders on each side of the bag. Um, I think it'll be, you know, you're going to see some two-man outfield where they put the other outfielder in short right. Uh, will baseball disallow that? I don't know, but I did see it a couple of times during spring. So it's just like any any defense. People are always looking for a way that gives them an advantage.
2: Uh, with Washington, I, I know you can't speak for every team, but with Washington, do you have tryouts now for bad boys and bad girls just in case you have to replace yours?
4: <laughs> hey, they better, they better be hustling.
9: The clock's on them and people are watching. I, you know, at least the people I feel bad for are... Out in San Francisco, they have what's called the ball dudes, and uh, all of them are senior citizens, and you see some of them topple over at times, and now if they try to rush, you're going to see guys maybe end up on their head, and uh, I don't know. That's uh, that's a little crazy when I read that.
2: Yep. All right, you ready to go head-to-head with uh, Mark? Let's go, Mark. Come on. All right, let's start out with the uh, National League. We're going to start out with the National League East, Danny. Who do you like to win it?
9: I like Atlanta. Uh, I saw Atlanta a lot, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the Braves based upon what I saw with their pitching. Uh, Ozuna looks like he's back to be in Ozuna, and uh, man, this first baseman Olson they had had an unbelievable spring. I just think the depth of their lineup and their pitching and uh, potential Soroka coming back. Atlanta wins it.
1: Uh, I'm going to agree. Wait, wait. Who's in the the NLEs? No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm, going, I'm, I'm going with the Braves, too, Most, mostly because the Mets already got a couple guys that are going to lose a chunk of time, and, and same with the Phillies, right? So their question marks with injuries already there, I'm going with the Braves. How
2: about that, Danny, huh? Who's doing their homework this guy's now?
1: This done his homework. Yeah. He loves
2: baseball. I think he was primed for this. Uh, all right, I'll take the Braves. All right, uh, Central Division. Go ahead, Danny. Who do you like in the Central?
9: I like the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals pitch in depth and their bullpen, uh, there's an experience factor here that uh that's gonna help and the fact that there's really not a whole lot, but beware of the Cubs.
1: Uh I am I too am going with the Cardinals. Uh and I don't have as much uh to say about that. How about that?
2: That's good. That's uh, good. I'm, I'm taking St. Louis, but I feel sorry for their fans having Chip Carey calling their games. Okay, I didn't say that. All right, let's go to the, let's go to the let's go to the West. Uh, Dodgers, San Diego Giants, Colorado, Arizona. Who do you like, Danny?
9: I like the Padres. I think their depth. I think one through nine. There's not a weak. A week out in the lineup i see some things happening out there and you know what there's uh this owner has he's going all in if we're playing texas Hold'em, he's all in and padres are an exciting club i think this is going to be a big year for them
1: this is compelling radio because i too am going with the padres although although potentially dodgers in that one right maybe
2: Correct, yes. All right, I'm going to go with Padres just because they're more they're more talented at this point, but I'm taking the Dodgers. Prove me wrong. They've been winning every year, and I know the Padres are now the so-called proverbial favorite because of all the studs they have on the team. I'm not convinced, so I'm taking the Dodgers. All right, let's go to the American League. East, uh, Danny, who do you like in the East?
9: I'm saying the Yankees. The Yankees look primed and ready. Pitching staff has definitely been improved. Um, you know what I I, I don't think judge does what he did again but I think he's got a chance to do it very close Uh, they got some youth back now with uh, Velope at shortstop and I think uh, I think you're starting to see the Yankees kind of get back to the formula that they had when they had the core four so I like New York in the east
1: again compelling radio i'm going yankees but not by much because
2: i would watch out for your blue jays over there lee you going you going against script here you're going counter i'm going yankees but you're right the blue jays would be certainly my wild card blue jays are the pick of some to win the uh east but again yankees have done that been there done that so i'll stick with them how about the uh, central division uh, how do you like danny who do you like
4: I, you
9: know, I, for me it's the weakest division in baseball. I like the uh I like the Guardians. I think their manager Terry Francona is such a uh is such a difference maker uh with those players. He's got total buy in and he's got a perennial M V P every year in uh in Ramirez. I like the Guardians.
1: Yeah, I'm going Guardians too.
2: I am, too. This is fantastic right here. Should we even waste time on the West? To me, it's a no-brainer, Danny. I, I can't imagine anybody but Houston.
9: All right, I'll throw you guys a curveball then in the West. You ready? Yep the Seattle Mariners will win the AL West for the first time
2: All right, let me put a, a check mark wrong there okay
9: <laughs> what do you, you have? can't keep going to Astros hey, the Astros had a major major injury and, it could, and it's hard since 2000 we haven't had anybody to repeat so I, we gotta throw a curveball in the mix
2: All right. what if you called up Dusty Baker and said that would he hang up on you he probably would hang up immediately. Yes. What do you think?
1: Uh, I think uh, I think Dan is just trying to pump up ratings with these okay. outlandish hot takes. <laughs> it, this, isn't par- this isn't This isn't a. This isn't some ESPN talking head show where you can just spout <laughs> off with 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 no with no regard for consequences here, Dan.
9: I know, but the problem is I can't get a uh,
1: Chick-fil-A sandwich, so I thought
9: I'd just do something different since Lee's holding all the cards.
2: Yeah, well, ain't that the truth. All right, uh, I like Houston, of course. Wild card, National League, your three wild cards standing.
9: Uh, Atlanta, Philadelphia, and the Dodgers.
2: Wait a minute, wait a minute. You picked Atlanta to win the East. How can now they be a wild card Yeah. How the can Mets, they be in... a. The How can you miss? All right. I got Philly, New York, and Los Angeles. And I've got Philly, Mets, and San Diego since I picked the Dodgers to win the West. How about in the American League, Dan?
9: I'm going the Astros, the Blue Jays, and the Tampa Bay Rays.
2: I'm going Mariners, Rays, and Blue Jays. And I've got I'm pretty close to you guys. I'm going well, I'm going with the Twins, Toronto, and Tampa Bay. That's what I'm doing. All right. All right, uh, Danny, I'll just throw this one on you. MVP, National League.
9: Juan Soto, gonna have a monster, monster year.
2: And the American league?
9: Vlad Guerrero Junior.
2: Well, if he stays healthy, I'd say he's a pretty good bet. I appreciate it. And uh, opening day, as we explained, uh, do you look forward to this opening at uh, any major league opening day, even more than, you know, your interest in college football?
9: I I do I mean it's you know what for 35 years baseball has been great to me and it's uh, my family my brother all of us are in it it pays the bills at our home and it just uh, it's it's like Christmas if you work in the game you love the game and uh, I I think you know for everybody that baseball tugged at their heart this is definitely a
1: It's 7.50, wrapping up, hour number two. Phone lines are open. want to remind you guys, get on out to LCM Motor Cars out there in Theodore. Uh, they're the number one place to shop for quality pre-owned vehicles right there in Theodore. Uh, they've remained a fixture in the community. They've been around since 2002. So David McCrary and the guys have helped people like you for years find the car they're looking for. Chances are it's on their lot. But if it's not, we've talked plenty about how they can find exactly what you need. So whether you're a new customer or a returning customer, man, they do it right. Uh, straightforward, no-nonsense approach to business uh, that continues to bring you guys back time and time again. Uh, so make sure you go out and check out the pre-owned vehicles from a variety of manufacturers, by the way. They have high-end sedans, uh, sporty SUVs. Uh, you never know what you might find when you go out to LC and motor cars. But if you can't wait... Check them out, LCMMotorcars.com. They put a lot of their inventory on the uh, the website, so you can check it out before you get out there. And it's constantly updating, so make sure you get a chance to go out there to LCM Motorcars. It's uh, 5711 Highway 90 in Theodore. They open uh, at 8 a.m. Give them a call: 3750068, 3750068 at LCM and LCMMotorcars.com.
2: You know, when I mentioned earlier about the uh, team focus bringing on John Harbaugh, you had asked, without Nick Saban coming down here, who would be a, a good speaker. And based on what I heard last year at the SEC spring meetings, the coach that really, let's say, captured the the attention of everybody because of his sense of humor was Eli Drinkowitz of Missouri. I mean, by far and away, he was the most interesting and had the best lines and things like that problem is when i asked paul about coaches who have something to prove this year he mentioned billy napier which is true although napier going to a second year i hate to say it but i think eli drinkowitz is probably right up there when it comes to if you want to use the term hot seat or being uh, on the edge of you know if they don't have a very good year you know maybe this will be his uh, final year at missouri so that was the name though when i was thinking about coaches who have a great sense of humor and really know how to express it
1: He'd be a good one absolutely. I I didn't we totally miss him because he's not, he's really not as high profile. Well, it's as Missouri.
2: Some of his other ones. It's Missouri. Yeah. If he's at another school in the SEC, we're talking about him all the time. But there are Look, they're in the SEC but they're not. You know what I mean? And you know they've had success when they first came in, they were winning the the East, but for whatever reasons a lot of people have a mental block when it comes to Missouri. Like, oh yeah, they're still in the league. Yeah, they are.
1: I'm trying to think of somebody.
2: We're we're looking. I'll give you another one All too. Right, give us another one. And, but they're not yet in the SEC. I think Brent Venables at Oklahoma after last year's uh, very unsuccessful year, losing season. I'm not going to say that'll they make a change, but I think they have to make some big improvement, and that uh, before they comes into the SEC. I really do. I'm just thinking
1: I, from a. Not necessarily a football success standpoint, but a personal, an entertaining oh, person okay. or, or, or of interest that you would want to come see. I think Sark would be a good one. I don't know how entertaining uh, it would be, but I think people would be interested if Sark came down to Mobile.
2: I think you're right about that, but I don't think he's the most entertaining. Uh, I've, I've, I've met him. I've heard him. He's dry. It's it's not like he's going to captivate you. Now, I would say this. I think Hugh Freeze would be more of a dynamic speaker. Than uh, Sark would Drinkovitz would be at the top of the list. Uh, you know, I mentioned Kirby Smart, but only because of his success. You know, the fact that he's won back-to-back national titles. Paul brought this up. Here's a guy going for an unprecedented third straight. Yeah. Um, Mark Stoops, good guy, but no, not not as far as a dynamic speaker. Uh, I, I've not heard Charles Lee, the the coach at Vanderbilt, Tennessee. Okay. Uh, Josh Heupel, not not somebody that's going to blow you what away. What about Brian Kelly? I was thinking about he might, him. He might get the job
1: done. Would you go a see former, him? Well, I'd still go see Orgeron before I went and saw Brian Kelly.
2: If you to understand him. Why not bring him.
1: a – form? Bring a, just bring the best personality. Like I know we need to do a balance, but could you imagine like sitting there and listening to Ed Orgeron All speak?
2: Right. So here's what you do. Because you you raise a, a couple of points. Bring in that guy that the Senior Bowl did, and let him do impersonations. He let him do four or five coaches. Then right, yeah. that would cover everybody. Yeah. What was his name again? Uh, remember the uh, guy that came, the comedian that came in here and did the uh, gig with uh, Ivan. Joey Maisel? Joey uh, Molinaro. Yeah, bring him in. Yeah, took me a minute, but yeah, yeah, I I totally forgot his name, but I remember him being on this show, and uh, and then he he actually went ahead and did an Ogeron.
1: Yeah. No, he would. Uh, to me, that would be uh,
2: that'd be a lot of fun. I like I like Drinkwitz. I think yeah, I think you hit the home run there with Drinkwits. When I heard him last year, I was in stitches because at the SEC spring meetings, Mark, and it's so unfiltered. It's not like the SEC media days. It's very low key and very casual. So not every coach speaks. Uh, not every coach sets up a press conference, but the SID, when you go there on that uh, Tuesday, right after Memorial Day, they have a list of the coaches speaking. And Eli Drinkowitz, and I went in there, and I didn't – look, I don't know him that well, but I'm telling you, of all the coaches, there are about seven who who spoke to us that day. He was the most entertaining, by by far, wasn't even close.
1: All right, I want to throw this out at you. i switch gears real quick, but uh, we'll talk about this throughout the, the rest of the show. So you mentioned a very interesting – and Nick, you're going to want to get in on this. You, a very interesting stat. When Kyrie and Luca are in the are in the lineup, they're way below sub. They're sub five hundred. Who in any sport are some of the worst locker room cancers of all time? Like as soon as they get into the, as soon as they come aboard, and I'm not saying either one of them are, are cancers, but you know there are some that just don't coexist well.
2: There are others. Is this just basketball or any no, sport? No, any sport. Any sport. Who are the
1: guys that you bring in, and it just it you keep scratching your head and just saying, why do you continue to do this? Why do people continue to give this guy a chance?
2: Get him first.
1: He, I would. I I think a couple guys like Terrell Owens.
2: Good. Always
1: good always wind up being good one, especially l- later in his career, but always seemed to be a distraction.
2: Brown. For us. Brown. The one that was uh, came from Tampa from Pittsburgh was I, Antonio I, Brown. Antonio, okay.
1: I would go Russell Westbrook. He's never won
2: wherever he goes. I don't know if he's a cancer though. Nick would people I don't, love Russell Westbrook? Yeah, I don't think he's a cancer. I think yeah. he's a I don't good think guy. They do.
3: No, they do. I don't think they I, do. I, I Anyone think that's played with him,
2: I wouldn't put him in the same vein as a uh, Antonio Brown or Terrell Owens. Terrell Russell Owens is Wilson, maybe. Pardon. I said Russell Wilson. Maybe is a cancer. Uh, I, let's see what happens with with, with people love him. <laughs> mm, uh, yeah, see how
1: ridiculous that sounds. Like? People yeah. love him.
2: See what happens with Sean Payton. Someone said Jose him. Canseco. No, I never got that impression. He, he's no, I I I think he was well liked. I think I think he became a cancer after he played. After after more. he played, yeah, but I don't think he was when he played. And get it's just a guess on my part, but certainly. <laughs> the ones you know you mentioned owens i think he's more of a cancer to the coaching staff and and obviously to some of the quarterbacks but to me antonio brown is head and shoulders above anybody at i'm not saying Kyrie irving is a cancer in a sense but i don't think the chemistry is there and i don't think he makes things that much better someone's saying cam newton no i don't buy into that Aaron hernandez well it's a little too late on that you see where Aaron's brother got into a little trouble?
3: I did, yeah. He threw a brick through the ESPN office or, or he, Yeah, he threw a brick
1: at the ESPN I, building.
2: I'll give you a baseball. And
1: left a note and signed it.
2: I'll give you a baseball name. You guys probably aren't very familiar with him. And I don't even think he's in the league anymore. But recently, Hanley Ramirez. Oh, Hanley.
1: I'll have to do some Googling. <laughs> Eric home is next right here on the Sports Station WNSP. all right 804 here we go hour number three it's the opening kickoff thanks for hanging with us Mark and Lee in the studios of WNSP all
2: right let's talk some uh, NFL because a lot went on this week with the NFL owners meeting in Phoenix and who better than nFL.coms Eric at home a good friend to uh, WNSP in the opening kickoff Eric good morning how are you today how are you everything good everything's wonderful out of curiosity do you do you get a chance to go out to Phoenix for these meetings or you pretty well follow things from uh other areas?
4: Yeah, I wasn't paying too much close attention, to be honest. I really wasn't. I mean, obviously, I saw some of the, the the coaching quotes and things like that. But you know, as as far as the rule change stuff, I wasn't really dialed in. I've been I've been kind of heavy on draft stuff lately, but I planned to t- to use today and tomorrow to kind of catch up on everything that happened
2: out there outside of kind of the football uh, stuff that was talked about. All right, speaking of the draft, because that was one area I was going to go. Panthers are saying, uh, and and again, you know how this stuff. You don't know what to believe or believe. They're saying it's either Stroud or Bryce Young as the number one pick. Are you buying into that?
4: I think it's I think it's what I initially imagined, although I, I kind of figured that Stroud would be their first choice when the trade went down. I mean, I, I tweeted it out, and I this was based on me kind of just connecting some dots and just sort of a gut feeling that <clears throat> Stroud kind of checked the most boxes of what you'd expect uh 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 Frank Wright quarterback to look like and kind of what what I knew about some other people in the organization, what they favored. And so you know, that was my gut instinct at first, but I thought Richardson might be the one who kind of infatuates them a little bit. Now he's he's performing today, we'll find out what you know, what kind of buzz there is around him and he can back out what he did at the combine. I thought maybe they were buying time to see can we can we get behind the idea of Anthony Richardson going number one? That was my kind of my gut feeling initially. I kind of held back from some of that stuff on Twitter, but you know, it it, it makes some sense. I mean, it's those are the, these are the two quarterbacks that for for the lion's share of the season, I think were viewed as the top two options in this year's draft should they come out.
2: So okay, let let me play devil's advocate on this. Most everybody says. That talks about the draft that doesn't do a mock draft says, look, just look at the body of work. Look at Bryce Young, what he did. Watch the films. Don't worry about his height. Don't worry about his weight, whatever. Same thing with Stroud. Look at the games. Look at the game he had against Georgia. What in the world could you show me that Richardson did when he was in college? <laughs> you'd put the
4: Utah tape on and then you'd maybe flip it over and play it again. You know what I mean? I don't mean that. I'm, I'm Obviously, he had a big game against Tennessee, too. You know, he had some, some monster performances. Most of it, you know, was sort of predicated on his running ability. And so people go, aha, that's the key. He can't throw yet. Well, no, he can throw. What he can't do consistently yet is throw with the leak mechanics. In fact, you even saw it at the combine throwing session. He came out with great footwork and weight distribution and everything. I mean, I thought like early during his combine throwing session, I thought this guy has gotten with a quarterback coach. He has repped it. He has done it over and over again. This is we're seeing signs of improvement by by the end of the session, though. You started seeing him get a little lazier, kind of reverting back to what he did in college, which is throw with more upper body and kind of flick it with his wrist and stuff. So, you know, it's going to take some time to figure all that part out, but You know, it wouldn't be shocking if the team that drafts Richardson takes the Josh Allen slash Cam Newton route, which is play him right away, or, you know, Justin Fields for that matter. A little different because the Bears held him back a little, but play him, let his running ability be his floor. Let that be like his bread and butter and try to creatively work with his limitations right now as a passer because he could be a special thrower at some point. But I agree, There's, there's... There's not a lot of tape to begin with, and what we have is the mixed bag.
2: Well, he only played in, what, 11 games, maybe? maybe, 14 starts, I think, yeah, something like that. And I'm trying to remember the quarterback two years ago. Was it the Bears who traded up to the number? Yeah, and and he had a very limited background, and look what happened there. I don't get it. I can't believe anybody would would basically go with a a top pick for a guy that hardly even played in college and really when he did play i don't know what his one loss record was as a quarterback but it wasn't all that scintillating
4: he had more throws than cam newton in college i mean that's that's where people are going back to yes the trubisky example is the you know gold star standard of please learn from this lesson right (laughs) like You know, the the Bears looked at 29 starts of Patrick Mahomes. They looked at 35 starts of of Deshaun Watson, and they were more impressed by what they saw in 13 starts out of Trubisky. So, like, that sends off alarm bells automatically, right? But if you were to use the Newton example, guy started for one year, threw about 270 passes in college football. I mean, you know, outside of junior college, let's say. So, you know, that was troublesome at the time, right? I mean, even... Even Kyler Murray had one good year in college. I think he had 18 starts or something like that. So the the number, I would say the median for quarterback starts. This is not Bill Parcells' NFL anymore. You know, this isn't like 33 starts minimum. Uh, you know, six foot four. Those things have been kind of thrown out the window. Is that good or bad? I think it's more good than bad. But you're still going to have those kind of breakthrough cases where the small sample size hides a lot of weaknesses and it doesn't show an ability for a quarterback to grow over the course of multiple years in college so that's it's a big one and you can't just ignore it but you also have to look at the traits and figure out what the ceiling is
1: eric at home our guest here on wnsp follow him on twitter at eric underscore underscore at home all right i know guys around the league generally hate the movie draft day but let me tell you something (laughs) Sonny Weaver did have some pretty prophetic words there when he told Vontae Mack, "Stop twittering or whatever it is you do online." GMs hate that stuff. I feel like he was speaking directly to Lamar. True or false? Yeah. I mean, until recently, he's been pretty quiet, right? We had a couple little
4: tweets here and there. You had you know little tiny breadcrumbs left along the way. We weren't getting much from the Ravens. They were. You know, sort of throwing out these platitudes about respecting Lamar and this is being a this is a delicate situation and we're trying to make it work and a little bit of frustration from from the Baltimore camp, but it feels like all the frustration is now coming out on Lamar's side. And this is, like you said, where an agent would sort of step in and say, "Let me be the bad guy. Yeah. Let me do the talking. Let me step in and and be the." the 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 bulletproof shield for you, right? I'll take all the bullets. I can take it, right? That's what you pay me X percent for. Some guys get three, some are one, you know? So, but, uh, you know, that's that's kind of the deal right there. Like people say, oh, he needs an agent. Yeah, the negotiation part is tricky, and it's very tricky when you're doing face-to-face with a player, you're in the locker room with, you know, the, the building with every day. But another aspect is knowing how to, play public opinion and how not to get people against you, you know, and how not to turn the tide the other way. So that's those guys are are, are smart about that, guys and women. I mean, Nicole Lynn is, is terrific at using social media. You know, some of the great agents out there are really effective at swaying the, the discourse a little bit.
2: All right, let me ask you this, Eric. If you were a general manager, Would you want Lamar Jackson, who's only started, what, 12 games the last two years, pay him more than $32 million and give up two number ones, which I think you have to do if you sign him to an offer sheet and then the other team doesn't match it? I think I'm correct on that. Would you do it? Yeah, I mean, the cost
4: isn't really that big a deal, especially if you're picking outside the top ten, right? I mean, if you're a team like, let's say, Tennessee, the 11th pick in the draft, I mean, yeah, you can find a really good player there, J.J. Watt, Taylor Lewan, whoever. I mean, you know, that, that, there's plenty of good players who've gone in that spot, but there's also been plenty of duds, too, and the value of that pick before selection is made is, you know, st- solid, strong, but not not mind-blowing. So, I mean... If you think about it in that way, and then also theoretically, if Jackson were to come on your team, he makes you better than what you already had at quarterback. Next year's first rounder may be twenty fifth overall. So, you know, if, if Devonte Adams is worth two first, you know, in, in the twenties, I think it was twenty two and twenty eight, whatever they had last year. I, I can certainly make the case that Lamar Jackson is. The salary obviously is going to be a doable for some teams not doable for others and maybe the biggest thing is the idea that you got to kind of tear up your playbook and start over again and and do what lamar does best i mean you could i guess run your same offense and make tweaks to it uh smart oc will understand you don't have to maybe tear the thing down a little bit but you you do have to re sort of calibrate things quite a bit and I don't know that everybody's willing to do that. We talk about open-mindedness in the NFL and how we're bringing the college game to the league and all that. But we're, we've kind of gone in half-footed a little bit, right? We're, we're not fully diving in yet in this thing. And, and not everybody is willing to make that full transition, I don't think. So that's just my suspicion. I think that's part of it. Certainly the owners are balking at the idea of making a guaranteed, fully guaranteed contract industry standard for quarterbacks. That's a big thing. I mean whether there's collusion or not, I have no idea. I can't prove it. I won't make those allegations until there's some sort of proof. But you can imagine the owners kind of giving each other a wink like, you know, let's let's stay let's be smart about this thing here, right? And but ultimately it comes down to individual clubs. If one club decided they want to sign Lamar, what are they going to do? Get blackballed out of the league? Of course not. Are they going to get shunned at owners' meetings? Who cares? They got one vote. I mean, that's how I look at it. If, if people wanted them badly enough, they'll want them. There's still time. A smart team might be willing to play this thing slow play. Like, let's, let's force the Ravens at the last possible moment to decide what they want to do. That's one option. Or maybe teams look at the draft option and say, I like Young or Stroud or Levis or Richardson at, you know, one-seventh of the cost or whatever it is, more than I like Lamar.
1: Uh, Quickly, before we let you go, uh, Aaron Rodgers, appreciate Lamar tweeting and getting him off the front page or or not? Because I feel like his people probably are excited about it. I'm not sure how much Aaron likes being uh, second fiddle to anybody, though, when it comes to drama.
4: You're right. It depends who you ask, I suppose, right? I mean, people like you said, the 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 people who kind of defend what you know, trying to get the the grease the wheels for this trade to happen, I think are very much appreciative of it. You know, there wasn't a huge drama in Phoenix about this the Rogers stuff. There was chatter but not yeah, like it that cooling down is good for Rogers. But he may not know that.
2: <laughs> you know, I'm not hearing Will Anderson's name anymore, mainly because they've been talking quarterbacks. Where do you have him in your mock draft?
4: Yeah, I think, you know, depending on what Arizona does, the three, I mean, they seem like the most logical fit right now, given that three of the top four. I mean, look, I won't rule out the Texans. I know there's this assumption that, well, okay, they're going to just going to take whichever quarterback the Panthers don't probably Bryce, you know, okay, great. He goes to Houston, you know, he's playing for D'Amico. They've got Mechie and Christian Harris. Okay, that's cool. we got a Bama thing going there. But you may have a different Bama guy there. It's possible that they look at Will Anderson and see a special player. They brought him in for a visit. I think they're doing serious work on him. They may not love the quarterback options, especially the quarterback two option. And next year, look, I mean, Caleb Williams, Drake May, and others – this could be a stronger, more appealing quarterback class next year. So, again, I'm not knocking Bryce and Stroud. I think they're both going to be, you know, top 15 quarterbacks once they kind of get their footing underneath them. But it's, that's just the view of the NFL people that I've talked to so far.
2: Hypothetically, does the Sean Payton-Russell Wilson tandem work much like it did between Payton and Drew Brees?
4: I can't imagine coming anywhere close only because of the age of Wilson had, had those two paired up coming out of college or, you know, after Wilson's first contract or something like that, like I would have absolutely been open to that, but Wilson's on the way down right now. I think he can have a really good season this year, but as far as a long-term sustained relationship, you know, Wilson would have to play pretty deep into his 30s, you know, and I don't know. I'm just, I think this is more of a short term arrangement where Wilson can still have a, you know, a few gasps of life this year and remind people that he's a, he's a great talent.
1: Speaking of great talents, Eric, how can people read all the things that you offer the NFL world?
4: Well, fire up your your phone or your computer, your tablet, whatever device you're using. Head over to NFL.com or download our app. Right? I sound like the the folks in the promotional department there, but yeah, we got lots of draft stuff coming up. Less than a month. I can't believe this this draft season's been. It's sort of sneak.
1: Look at them Jaguars.
0: Look at them Jaguars. Love the way they play that game. Look at them Jaguars. Scoring them home
1: runs. The Sunbelt's gonna be their fame. All right, Lee. The giver of all things, in this case, South Alabama baseball Yes, tickets.
2: we got tickets for next Tuesday's home game against Southern. Jags will be on the road against James Madison this weekend. They beat Nickel State yesterday. For four tickets for next Tuesday night's home game, call Nick, 694-1055, and tell him, name the Atlanta Braves' First time they ever took a jag in the baseball draft. Who was that jag that was first drafted by the uh, Atlanta Braves? It was in the 80s. I'll give you a hint. He was a shortstop, so <laughs> help you along uh, to get those four tickets. But the uh, first time that a Brave ever selected a jag in the draft, name who that player was. Give him a call. All
1: right, there you go. Uh, we've asked you for the biggest cancer in sports locker rooms. A um, couple of guys have timed in with somebody, James Harden,
2: uh, as a cancer. I don't, I don't know. He's actually doing pretty well now with Philadelphia. Uh, when you say cancer, you mean just a bad person in the clubhouse or somebody who just brings the team down? Yeah, I mean, it
1: wreaks havoc, is always in the headlines yeah. for the wrong news. Like, Do you, separa- uh, do you
2: agree with that Divides, one? Divides teams. I'm kind of like lukewarm on that one.
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> No, I think Cam and Harden, for the most part, are swings and misses there. Um, What about Barry Bonds when he was playing?
2: Uh, From what I heard, Mark, that even though the media didn't like him, he was pretty much loved out there in the Giants. And uh, all you heard was he was a great teammate and he was a great player. So... No. He, well, first of all, he didn't bounce around from team to team. It was just the Pirates, and then he took the big contract with the Giants, and they had success when he was there. I think they won, like, what, two or three World Series. So I would say no. I would say no to Barry Bonds as being a cancer in the locker room. I would say he's more of a cancer dealing with people outside. But did Barry, like, skip team events and stuff? That I don't know. I, I, didn't, I just heard, you know, the Giant fans loved him, obviously, and I never heard any well, except for Jeff Kent. <laughs> Jeff Kent, I don't think, was a big fan of Barry Bonds. But I don't they, – they had success when he was there. I, I mean, it's not like he brought the team down at all. In fact, he made them good. Hmm. Who else?
1: Uh, Richie Incognito. You
2: remember he had yeah, the I whole, like, bullying yeah. and yeah. homophobic slurs. and He bounced around from team to team. I – I guess you could put him into that. I don't know enough about his background. What about Manny being Manny? Ramirez? No, he was just a fun guy. He He's not a cancer. He was just one of these happy-go-lucky guys. Chad
1: Ochocinco. I'm jumping from sports Yeah, to sport.
2: that's fine. Uh, I never got the impression he was a cancer. He, he was a little bit different, a little edgy, but uh, good player. I never got the impression that he'd you know, be a bad clubhouse. The Jets had a couple. I just can't remember who they were. Do you remember back when when the uh, Geno Smith was on the team and they had a fight in the locker room <laughs> that really? And I don't remember who the other player was. I think they got rid of him, uh, but they had a fight break out. I thought the first one you brought up was uh, Kyrie Irving. He's a great talent, but for whatever reasons, he's not exactly the type of guy that's going to come and make you a winner. He just bounces around from team to team and. I, I guess you could say, I don't know how popular he is or is not popular with his teammates, but uh, certainly not a, a player I want to build around.
1: All right, in the app, Ben Simmons, Plexico Burris, and Allen Iverson also being mentioned. Aaron Hernandez, and then Antonio Brown.
2: I think Antonio Brown we... would be right up there at the top of the list. I yeah. Some of the others I, I wouldn't go along with as far as being Cancers.
1: Uh, Ian Thompson is next. Talk some NBA right here on the Sports Station WNSP.
4: Can shoot threes well.
8: Condit guarded by Harris gets past Harris, goes inside,
0: blocked by Embiid. go Embiid with the defensive play.
1: 8:32. Welcome back in the opening kickoff, Mark and Lelo, NBA for you right there on the Sports Station
2: WNSP. More coming up on the NBA in just a few minutes, but let me tell you, all right. Last night, if you wanted to pick a team of the night in the NBA, you'd have to say Sacramento. They clinched a playoff spot for the first time in 16 years—the longest streak in NBA history without making postseason. If you want to pick a team of the day on WNSP, oh, that's easy. Bachelor Service—they've been servicing the air conditioning needs of Mobile and Baldwin County homeowners well for well over 50 years, longer than I've been here in Mobile. They offer plumbing services for the home as well. They have a full complement of air purification products. They have whole house generators. Check them out on that. They also have that $79 per system tune-up special. They offer Dykin Comfort Pro line of air conditioning equipment with the most state-of-the-art technology available in the industry. It's no wonder they've been in business for as long as 50 years plus, and a lot of credit goes to the CEO Rick True, our good friend at Bachelor Service. You can reach them at 479-779 four three or you can visit them at bachelorsservice.com isn't it nice to know that they're available in case you have any air conditioning and heating needs at your home especially the way the temperatures have been fluctuating these days
1: all right you guys can jump in six nine four one oh five five that is the number uh we've been talking about cancers in locker rooms You guys can jump in on that. Also, if there was one personality in college football that you would want to go see talk other than Nick Saban, who would it be? Success, not necessarily uh, a a necessity or a requirement to hear said person talk. What about uh, Cadillac? As far as person you want to to hear talk, not necessarily a cancer? person (laughs) no i think that'd be a great one that's a real good one i mean not a head coach but certainly a guy that's proven he can motivate uh and he i bet he's got some great stories too that's that's the thing about former players man they got great stories and insight if if they let their guard down and actually talk to you and and communicate some of that stuff some great stuff yeah i I listen to cadillac but i like eli drinkwitz too he's low-key off radar but, man, when he gets going, he's as good as anybody in the country he, with entertaining folks and some of the stuff he says.
2: He is a very funny individual, let me tell you. And I can base on an experience about listening to him uh, last spring down in Destin. And he wasn't even on that long. I mean, for 10 minutes or so, I can imagine. And then afterwards, Mark— uh kind of a group of media people uh, surrounded him just to get more comments from him he was easily the most entertaining and again it's very low-key nobody's dressed up nobody's got a entourage of 15 or 20 people trailing them and making it impossible to get in there with your tape recorder it's uh it's more of a fun time uh
1: by the way, you ba- you baseball enthusiasts, here's your chance. Convince me. Tell me why this day is so is such a huge day. Why is why is game Why is opening day any different than the other 161 days of the year? So much so that, like, I, I think NASCAR is the only thing that that it somewhat has that same feel because they start off with such a huge event, right? You start with,
2: off with their biggest event. It's right? Like starting so I, off with the World Series, yeah. Ooh, if we started with the World Series... And then,
1: work our way down. <laughs>
2: then we wouldn't have to worry about baseball. Baseball, but, okay, um... They, there's such tradition in the sense they go big time on opening day. They they have all the the f- pennants out there. They, they got all the regalia. They have the, the national anthem. They Some of these stadiums really do it up big with the pregame. That's one thing I give baseball a lot of credit for. If you ever watch postseason or all-star, they really do it up big. They introduce. They bring all the players out, both teams. They introduce them and everything. So, you know, they, they go the extra mile on opening day. uh, More so than, you know, you don't see that in the NFL and 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 other sports teams like that. Plus this year they've gone, not that I think it matters, but they're having all thirty teams play on the same day. That's it's been a long time since they've done that. So I don't think that's the reason. But for whatever reasons they, they they seem to push a lot into this opening day, and then, you know, attendance tails off after this, and then you start getting into the teams that are doing well and the teams that aren't doing well. Obviously, you were right about this, you know, like hope, uh, you know, spring rains eternal, and you, you have a lot of hope going in. Let's face it, the Pittsburgh Pirates No, they're not going to win. There's a lot of teams out there that just don't – they don't have the players and don't care. Kansas City, you know, they're not going to be around for very long. But th- the problem there is that the owners just – they don't care. Like the San Diego you, – you and uh, Danny picked San Diego, I think, to win the West. Went I don't out and, remember. Yeah, well, you did. And you, they went out and spent a lot of money to bring in these high-profile players. So at least they're making an effort to try to produce a winning team. Uh, And there's, like I said, there's some owners in the league who don't care about that. They just want to take in their money and they don't care if they win or lose. All right, we're dealing with
1: a lot of issues today. So, in the app, Locker Room Cancers, Terrell Owens, Pac-Man Jones, Randy Moss. Uh, Randy Moss? Yeah. Uh, Ken mentions Charles Barkley as a guy he'd listen to. That'd be a good one to bring in. That might be the best one to bring in. In fact, Charles be letting everybody know how he feels about anything when you open up the old Q&A Charles might be as good as anybody uh when it comes to someone I a sports personality I would want to listen to now granted we started talking about college football coaches but that's okay we can we can we can expand on that a little bit but I would go listen to Charles absolutely that's a great one that's a real good one um by the way want to remind you too uh, tomorrow we are uh, on the road. Air Sports
2: One going where Air
1: Sports One has
2: never gone before. Hey, can we do like the commercial for the NCAA? Get Willie Nelson on the road again. You enjoy that commercial that I've seen it about a hundred times in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know he's in the back of the yeah. crew whatever they got the trailer tra- yeah okay. Can we get something like that? Somebody playing the, the guitar and uh, well on with the road AI
1: again? these days we can have anybody sing us a song. We sure. could we could have any voice do a commercial for us. In fact. We could get, in fact, while we do this next phoner, let maybe Nick can put together a little Willie Nelson telling us we're going to MGM tomorrow if that's something you want to do. Yes, I want to do it. I figure with AI we can do anything.
2: Nick's like, yeah, whatever. All right, let's let's uh, let's talk a little NBA, shall we? All right, Ian Thompson, uh, McGill-Tulin alum, uh, very well-versed in the NBA, he was a beat reporter for years. He's covered it all. He's written books about it, and he's just a great guest and a great person, too. Ian, good morning. Welcome to the show. How you doing?
6: Wow, this is at the Orange Juice to start my morning. Thanks very much. <laughs> Appreciate
2: it. Great, great being with you guys. Durant first game, home game, 19 points. I'd like to get your thoughts, not so much on his performance yesterday. He's a little bit rusty. How this works out for the Phoenix Suns with so few games remaining until the postseason.
6: You know, most years I would say good luck to them, but this year um, it's not as much of a mess as college basketball, but it's the the NBA, especially the West, is just all over the map. And so you see Denver leading the conference most of the year, and their number two star player hasn't been what he used to be, Jamal Murray, and the Warriors, they're barely making the playoffs, and people think they can win a championship nonetheless. And, you know, it's just who is the real tip? Memphis loses John Morant. Are they going to do anything – So, yeah, they have a chance. They definitely have a chance. Um, You know, there's no super team. There's no established team. There's nobody that's had their act together all year long. And so in that kind of environment, yeah, Phoenix, maybe at the last minute they can pull it together and and just have a healthy two-month run. Just two months of health is all they want. From Kevin Durant, who's always hurt, and Chris Paul, who's always hurt. Mm -hmm. If they can get that, then,
2: yeah, because they have the talent. Why is the trade Kyrie Irving to Dallas not worked out? I think they're like 6 and 14 when those two play together, Doncic and uh, Irving.
6: Kyrie Irving has not worked out, period. And um you you saying you're taking two guys that aren't known for defense on a team that that isn't known for it and um you know, what kind of um For a team that's trying to develop into a championship team, what kind of a statement does that send to the rest of the players? They're only going to do well, especially after they gave up good players to get Kyrie. They're only going to do well if they're doing it at both ends of the court and they're they're defending like they want to really win in the playoffs, and they haven't been doing that. Um, There was a lot of talk before the trade about how these are two guys that both need the ball. And so if they both have the ball, who else on that team is going to get to do anything. And I think that's a lot of it too, that that, um, they're both kind of stubborn in the way they play and neither one is really going to adjust. When James Harden went to Brooklyn, remember when James Harden went to Brooklyn and, all of a sudden, he said, "Okay, I'm going to be the point guard," and he didn't worry about his shot so much. He he didn't worry about how many points he scored, and they had a few games there where they looked like they were really going to be something before it all fell apart with Kyrie triggering all of it. Um, and so, I think that's kind of what Kyrie had to do when he went to Dallas, and he hasn't, and nobody should be surprised.
1: Ian, uh, speaking of defense with the the Mavericks, I. I can't remember where I read it, but someone was reporting that an NBA scout called Luca the worst transition defender in NBA history, and I'm like, "Damn, that's that's quite a that's quite a a label to throw somebody on a league where so many people accuse him of not playing defense anyway."
6: Yeah, I saw that too, and I laughed. And you know, my old job at Sports Illustrated, I used to talk to scouts all the time. And you know, some guys are really careful with what they say and other guys you can tell they just watch so much tape and they've seen so much bad stuff and they just can't hold it in. And this is one of those guys. He he's he's seen enough. He's had to break down Dallas probably two or three times now and uh recently and he's watching Luca Doncic time after time after time, not getting back on defense. It's as if it's not his job, as if it's every it's beneath him or something. And um I this just tell it drives him crazy. I'm sure this guy, this scout, has not made a list of the, the worst transition defenders in NBA history because it would be a long list. But just the fact that a guy this good with this much promise is so derelict in one of the most important duties he can have. And it's not the way, like we were saying before, it's not just the way it does in that particular game. It's the example it sets. If this guy isn't doing it, then why, why should anybody else? But if he, if he were to get back on defense, well, Luca's the greatest player we've had, and here he is getting back on defense. I need to do it, too. You know, he's, he's just not aware of the qualities of leadership that are needed. Um, I, I'm sure it's going to come to him, but right now he just doesn't
2: have it. All right, I want to test your memory. Where were you or what were you doing the last time the Sacramento Kings made the playoffs?
6: I mean, I think I was in the mother's womb, but they didn't really exist back then. Um, Sixteen years ago. But I remember. <laughs> I remember. I, I do remember when they were really good. We all-
1: on the road again. I just can't wait to get on the road again. Life I love is making music with my friends. He'd to get on the road again with air sports one on the
0: road
1: again I thought we were going ai there but we the went traditional we went traditional there you go lee we're on the road again air sports one and we're bringing triple g with us
2: going out to viking territory off snow road we'll have a pretty good show lined up tomorrow talk uh, lots of sports at uh, mgm and alumnus mikhail torrance uh Basketball star out at MGM who also played at Alabama. By the way, did we get a winner on the Jag tickets yet? Indeed, we did. Good. Yep. The answer was Mike Mordecai. Yeah, first
3: Brian is our uh,
2: winner. Congratulations, Brian. First Jag ever drafted by the Braves was Mike Mordecai.
1: Oh, right. And Nick, will you be giving us a tour of the facility either before or after our show? Be like, hey, I had I had science class right there. That's where I got you know beat up or kicked out of class or whatever. I never got beat up. Huh? I never was
3: beat up in school. You did the beating. Um, <laughs> but I, that, let me rephrase. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That was another kid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, nah, but I do remember So when I was in high school, I took drama class every year. Because it was just the easiest class ever. You could just goof off, have fun. So one year, they're practicing the Wizard of Oz play. And me and all my degenerate friends that are in that class that aren't in the play, we sneak into the ceiling of the auditorium. And we're like walking around all the air conditioning vents and, you know, tiptoeing, uh, you know, down the beam so we don't crash through the ceiling right. tile and die. Uh, that was fun. And sneaking onto the catwalk and like peeking over you and throwing stuff onto the stage, and no one knew where it was coming from. Were you
2: singing over the rainbow when you were doing that?
3: I was not. No.
2: Were you in the
1: play, or were you kind of like
2: stagehand? No, uh, I was not stage in hand. the play.
3: I no? just was a menace.
2: Did you class.
1: do a play? It, it, were you like in a cancer? Were you like my, a cancer? My
3: senior year, I was like, you know what? I've goofed off in here enough. I'll be in a play, and I actually ended up being the lead.
1: In what play is that?
3: Young Frankenstein, based on the Mel Brooks film. Hmm. It's pretty funny. I got to cuss and stuff on stage. Really? What words did you say? <laughs> <laughs> but after the play, though, all the kids were like, dang, dude, you was really up there cussing. Was that in the play, or you're just like freestyling? I'm like, come on, man. You know I'm just freestyling. Yeah, you just
2: ad-libbing. <laughs> Make just keeping it real up there. What did what did they put in your yearbook? You know, they always Give a line or two, best this, best that, I worst this. class
3: clown. Class no. clown? No. Uh, what? Yeah, I was my graduating class's class clown. But I was a good class clown because I wasn't like, uh, well, even though I just said that story, but I didn't really cause too much trouble. I just was, you know, really funny.
2: Kind of a nuisance, right? Would that-
3: Maybe to some. Okay. I think I'm more of a nuisance now than I was back then, truthfully.
2: Waiting for Lee to disagree, but he's not disagreeing. Well, we're you. into the break, and I don't want to. It's not
1: the break; it's it. That's we're it. done. We're done. Happy. I opening don't have time. Day. I don't have, have time. Anybody, anybody, convince me that today should be any different for baseball than it is for any other well, sport. I, I think that we hit this show out of the park.
3: Lee, you with me there?
2: Yes. Hmm.
1: I a couple of segments we might have fouled a few off, but other than that, it was a solid performance. Hey. In baseball terms, we're Hall of Fame. You can be below 500 and get into the Hall of Fame. What other sport can say that? All right, we're back on the road at MGM tomorrow. Until then, see ya!